Hello, this is Mel Weinstein. I'm the host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast. This is the very first episode. Today I will introduce myself, tell you what this podcast is all about, and then we'll get into the first investigation. I've had an interest in food science for almost 30 years. Particularly, I've been curious about what ingredients are used in commercial foods. I'm talking about the foods that make it onto the shelves of your local grocery and convenience stores, vending machines, and many other places. I am retired now, but earlier in my life I worked as a chemistry educator for 10 years, then later as a research analytical chemist for a multinational foods ingredients company where I learned a great deal about additives in our foods and why and where those materials come from. I want to share this information with you in an exploratory, easy-to-understand, and sometimes light-hearted way. The purpose of this podcast is to shed some light onto the sometimes mysterious and inscrutable food ingredients label, which is found on all packaged and canned food containers. What are all those chemicals and additives in our food? Why are they there? Can they be harmful to our health? Should we be consuming them? Think of this podcast as a little mini-course in food science. By the time you complete all the episodes, and who knows how many of them there will be, you will have learned a great deal about the composition of the foods you eat. Maybe you'll decide that what you eat may not be all that good for you. Maybe you may be influenced to change your diet for the better. Maybe you'll be inclined to share this information with others. Maybe you'll just be fine with the way things are and move on. Whatever. Along the way, I will also touch upon some aspects of the all-important topic of nutrition. I will admit right up front that I have a strong bias. Most people eat foods that are highly chemically prepared, that is, foods filled with synthetic chemicals or non-food materials or foods that have been highly process, processed, which removes any benefits that the food may have had in its unprocessed state. Sadly, I find that most of the people I know are only motivi- motivated by taste, satisfaction, and convenience, and don't often think about what they put into their mouths. But there is a mounting body of evidence from science nutrition research that many of the modern diseases that plague us are directly connected to what we eat. So here's how the podcast is going to work, at least in the beginning. Of course, I reserve the right to change things up at any time. I will discuss in detail several packaged foods in each episode. Some will be breakfast items, some lunch items, some dinner items, and then occasionally I'll include snacks and items not easily classified, like condiments. Also in each episode will be the ingredient of the day, which I'll describe in some length. And from time to time, I'll dwell on some new manufactured product either just hitting the store shelves or about to be launched. This is a 100% guaranteed free podcast. It will cost you nothing, and I will never ask you for money. There are no sponsors or financial supporters. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and I refuse to help promote any business, commercial product, or organization. I just want to keep this podcast authentic. All I ask of you is to give me your time, which I know is valuable, and if you are so inclined, drop me a note with questions or comments using this email address. 
food labels revealed at gmail.com. That's food labels revealed at gmail.com. I'll go ahead and spell it out. F-O-O-D-L-A-B-E-L-S-R-E-V-E-A-L-E-D at G-M-A-I-L dot com. Also, if you could leave a review at the iTunes store and at my YouTube channel, search for Food Labels Revealed on YouTube, I would greatly appreciate it. That will let me know what you, my listeners, think of the content and presentation of this podcast. For today, let's start with some breakfast items targeted to kids. We have all seen the massive aisle of our local full-size grocery store stocked with dozens of dried cereals. The containers are highly colorful and attractive, designed by marketing experts to grab the attention of kids walking down the aisle with their parents. Recently, I went to a local store near where I live to survey the cereal aisles. There were actually two aisles. One was in the natural food section and the other in the center of the store. I did an informal count of all the cereals in each area, including different brands, flavors, sizes, types, cold versus hot, but excluding breakfast beverages. In total, there were 162 items in the natural foods aisle and 248 items in the mainstream aisle. That's a grand total of about 410 choices. It boggles the mind to consider how much space is devoted to cereals in the local supermarket. Here are some of the more bizarre products I found. Kellogg's Crave Chocolate. Kellogg's Disney Frozen. Kellogg's S'mores. Kellogg's Finding Dory. General Mills Reese's Puffs. General Mills Cookie Crisps and General Mills Sprinkled Donut Crunch. Do these cereals sound like healthy breakfast choices for kids, or do they sound like desserts? I was shocked to see cereals from my childhood, I mean, that's over 50 years ago, that have tenaciously held on, such as Kellogg's Fruit Loops, Kellogg's Corn Pops, Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, General Mills Cheerios, and General Mills Tricks. Wow, some things never change. I'm going to examine the ingredients in two cereals. First, Kellogg's Apple Jacks. And then second, Mom's Best Toasted Wheatfuls. The first cereal is from the mainstream aisle, and the second one is from the natural food section. So let's start with the Apple Jacks. On the cover of the box is a humanized cinnamon stick, wearing a woolly-style hat and shoes. He's sitting on a donut-shaped cereal piece. There is also a cartoonish red apple with eyes, arms, big eyes, and a happy smile. The box has both English and Spanish descriptions, so Kellogg's can peddle the cereal to the whole Western Hemisphere. The ingredients list contains the following 22 materials. Get ready for a mouthful. Here it is. Sugar, corn flour blend, whole grain yellow corn flour, degerminated yellow corn flour, wheat flour, whole grain oat flour, modified food starch, oat fiber, soluble corn fiber, 2% or less of vegetable oil, as hydrogenated coconut, soybean, or cottonseed, partially hydrogenated soybean, and or cottonseed, salt, milled corn, 
dried apples, apple juice concentrate, cornstarch, cinnamon, modified cornstarch, natural flavor, yellow six, baking soda, turmeric, extract color, blue one, red 40, BHT for freshness, and vitamins and minerals. Jeez, that's a lot of ingredients. Let's take a closer look at each one of these. So the first ingredient is sugar. We know that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, fondly called the FDA, requires food manufacturers to list ingredients from highest content to lowest content by weight. That makes sugar, the first ingredient, the main ingredient in Apple Jack cereal. Rather sounds like a candy bar, doesn't it? There are 10 grams of sugar per 28 grams serving, which is one cup. That's 36%, or a little over a third of the cereal is sugar. What kind of sugar? Well, Kellogg's doesn't tell us. Most likely, the sugar comes from either cane, that is cane sugar, or beet plants, or beet sugar. If it's from beets, the sugar is likely from a genetically modified crop of beets. The second ingredient is a corn flour blend made from a mixture of whole grain yellow corn flour and degerminated yellow corn flour. Well, the former is probably just genetically modified corn, which is ground into a flour. I won't comment on the genetically modified or GM aspect of this ingredient, since that is a whole other issue. But the whole grain is a good thing, since the complete corn kernel is used. The latter ingredient in the blend, that is the degerminated yellow corn flour, is not corn flour that has had sickly germs removed. The term germ refers to the part of the corn kernel that contains the oil or fat. To make the degerminated corn flour, the whole corn is milled, and the germ and bran, which is the fiber part, of the corn is removed. By removing the germ, the corn flour will have a longer shelf life since there is no oil to go rancid. Now, the third ingredient is wheat flour. Since the label doesn't say whole wheat, this ingredient is probably white flour in some form. There aren't any details provided here. The fourth ingredient is whole grain oat flour, which is probably just ground up oats. Oats are healthy and a good source of fiber, particularly soluble fiber, so this is a pretty friendly ingredient. The fifth ingredient is modified food starch. What the heck is that? We know what starch is, an important food group, and we know what modified means, but what is modified cornstarch? The word modified implies that the food starch has been physically, chemically, or enzymatically altered. The starch base is probably corn or wheat, but others have been used. We don't know in this case. Cornstarch is most likely the base. This ingredient is one of the most generic items found on food labels. That is, you know, modified corn, modified food starch. So I'll take a little time to explain what it is. The FDA does not require food companies to reveal the type of modified food starch that is used. It may be made from dozens of different chemicals that have been reacted with the starch. 
Some of these chemicals are very hazardous, and the FDA specifies acceptable residue levels for these chemicals. Modified starches, then, are used in food products to contribute a wide variety of favorable physical properties, such as stabilizing the starch against temperature changes, serving as a thickening agent or emulsifier, making the starch more dissolvable, and there are many other reasons. The modified star food starches are usually synthesized in a manufacturing plant using such hazardous chemicals as, get this, propylene oxide, acetic anhydride, sulfuric acid, bleach, etc. The FDA approves, approves each modified starch as safe for human consumption, but modified starches are anything but natural. Don't be fooled. The fact is that the food manufacturer is not required to reveal the type of modified food starch in the cereal product, which is not helpful to the consumer who has no idea what modified food item is being eaten. This is particularly bad for people with grain allergies. Now, here are some examples of modified food starches that are lumped under that generic title. Bleached starch, acetylated starch, hydroxypropylated starch, and starch sodium octanyl succinate. That innocent little phrase, modified food starch, represents a plethora of industrial reactions, mostly chemical. When modified food starch shows up on a label, people really don't know what the hell they are eating. The sixth ingredient is oat fiber. As mentioned before, that's a good ingredient, but one has to wonder why more fiber has to be added since whole oats were in an earlier ingredient. Maybe Kellogg's is shooting for a particular fiber content so they can report that their cereal is a good source of fiber. Just a guess there. The seventh ingredient is soluble corn fiber. What is that? Soluble corn fiber. So here is more fiber in the cereal to help a Kellogg's fiber target. To help with food digestion, the human body needs both soluble and insoluble fiber. They serve different purposes, but together they help promote a healthy digestion system. Hey, we need a break from all this seriousness, so uh, let's pause for a few jokes. How does Moses make his tea? The answer, he brews it. Hmm. I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. I can't put it down. Chuckle, chuckle. All right, back to Applejack cereal. The eighth ingredient is vegetable oil. But there are a slew of choices listed on the label. There's hydrogenated coconut oil or soybean oil, or cottonseed oil or partially hydrogenated soybean or cottonseed oil. What's going on here? Kellogg's is reserving the right to use oil from different sources, probably based on availability and or price. Note that cottonseed oil is a choice here. When was the last time you saw a bottle of cottonseed oil on the grocery shelf? It's not a typical cooking oil, but the FDA, FDA in its great wisdom, allows it as a food ingredient, which I'm sure makes the cotton industry happy. The really bad news is that Kellogg's is using hydrogenated oils, which contain trans fats. 
Those types of fats have been shown to contribute to coronary heart disease. The FDA stopped recognizing them as safe in 2013 and has established a ban on these fats by 2018. Since they have been around since the 1950s, the FDA is allowing a slow phase-out so food companies can adjust their products to conform to the new rule. Trans fats are more stable and provide a good shelf life for a manufactured food product, so companies will need to find suitable replacements. However, the nutritional label on this cereal shows zero grams of trans fat in the product. How can that be? Well, there's an FDA loophole here. As long as there is less than 0.5 grams of trans fat per serving, the food company can report zero grams on the label. Wow, that's incredible. Deceptive? Well, sort of. All you need to know is that whenever you see the word hydrogenated in the food ingredients list, then trans fats will be present in the product, whether the label says zero or not. Word to the wise, avoid any products with hydrogenated fats. The ninth ingredient is salt. Nothing to say here. We know that salt is common and natural food ingredient. The tenth ingredient is milled corn. I don't know why more corn was added, but I know that this ingredient is less than the amount of salt per serving since it comes after the salt on the label. I can actually calculate the amount of salt by taking the milligrams of sodium on the nutrition facts label, which is 146, and multiplying it by 0.0025 to give 0.36 milligrams of salt. So the milk corn amount per serving is less than 0.36 grams. Not much there. Note that corn shows up in 5 out of the 22 ingredients, showing that we are indeed a corn-fed people in this nation. The 11th ingredient is dried apples. The cereal gets its name from apples, but apples are the 11th ingredient on the label. Not only that, but apples are present in a smaller amount than salt. It looks like apples were just thrown in to justify the name of the cereal. The twelfth ingredient is apple juice concentrate, just a microdab per serving. The thirteenth ingredient is cornstarch again, but now it's there in an even smaller amount. Maybe it's used as a coating, you know, for the cereal pieces. The fourteenth ingredient is cinnamon, no common here, that's just a common natural spice. The fifteenth ingredient is modified cornstarch, again, since the amount is so small, it may also be involved in some kind of coating. This could be the same modified starch as before, or a different one. Probably a different one, but who knows. The 16 ingre- 16th ingredient is natural flavor. This is the fourth most common ingredient on food labels. What does that mean? What distinguishes natural flavor from an artificial flavor? The main difference is that natural flavors come from natural sources. Geez, that makes sense. But the flavor ingredient may be extracted out of a natural product, then purified, and finally added back to the food. So there is some definite chemistry going on there. Don't get taken in by the word natural. Food companies are not required by the FDA to specify what flavor additives are used. 
hence the generic phrase natural flavor. Once again, the consumer is left in the dark and doesn't know what the heck they're consuming in the product. The 17th ingredient is yellow six. Ingredient of the day. In each podcast will be one ingredient which will get some extra special attention. Yellow six is an example of an artificial or a synthetic dye used to add an orange-yellow tint to foods. Yellow six, along with other food dyes, such as blue one and red 40 in Apple Jacks, have a very colorful history, pun intended. They were originally synthesized from chemicals found in coal tar in the late 1800s. Now, coal tar is a byproduct of the coal industry when coal is carbonized to make coke. Sometimes these colorings are called coal tar dyes. Sound appetizing? Coal tar is a thick, black, complex liquid. It has a variety of industrial uses, including paving roads, sealant for asphalt, as a medicine in shampoos, soaps, and ointments, and as a topical medicine. Sounds wonderful, but on the downside, coal tar contains carcinogenic substances. Oh, no. Back to the dyes. From 1850 to 1900, chemists were looking for cheap, easily made dyes to replace natural dyes, like turmeric, which I'll talk about later. Natural dyes were hard to come by, expensive, and sourcing was unpredictable. If artificial dyes could be created in a laboratory, then scaled up in a factory, food companies would no longer have a need for natural ones, and they could save a bunch of money. Plus, the artificial dyes were stable and could be mass-produced and stored almost indefinitely. The U.S. Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906, everybody's heard of that, uh, reduced the permitted list of artificial dyes from a whopping 700 chemicals down to 7. With improvements in chemical analysis and purification in the 20th century, the list of approved food dyes once again began to grow. After World War II, food companies started using massive amounts of artificial dyes. However, by the 1950s, scientists were discovering that many food dyes caused health problems. Who'd have thunk? The FDA started looking into the issue and began banning some of the artificial dyes that were being used. For example, Orange 1 found to cause liver cancer was banned in 1966. Yellow 1 and Yellow 2 were banned in 1960 due to causing intestinal lesions. Over the decades, numerous food dyes have been banned and removed from the marketplace. But by 2016, there were seven dyes still approved for use in the food industry. Note that the approved artificial food colors tend to have higher numbers since their predecessors have been banned. For example, Yellow 6. Now, Yellow 6 in Apple Jacks is also called FDNC Yellow 6, in case you see that somewhere else. The FDNC stands for Food, Drug, and Cosmetic, and indicates that the FDA has approved the colorant for use in those categories. According to the book by Christine Farlow, entitled 
Food Additives, A Shopper's Guide to What's Safe and What's Not, Yellow 6 causes tumors in lab animals. There are studies that indicate that this dye causes hyperactivity in children. It's important to note that regulatory agencies around the world do not agree with one another regarding the safety of food dyes. So, in the case of Yellow 6, take note that it is banned in Norway and Austria and the European Union in general. Well, the European Union requires a warning notice on food packages, but of course, it's just fine to feed American kids. Back to the Apple Jacks ingredient list. Uh, we're ready for ingredient number 18, which is baking soda. Its chemical name is sodium bicarbonate. This is a common manufactured material used to make baked goods in kitchens and manufacturing plants all over the world, so uh, no additional comments are, are needed here. The 19th ingredient is turmeric extract color. Here is a natural colorant amid all the artificial ones. I don't know why it's here because it also provides a yellow tint, like yellow 6. Turmeric is a spice which is naturally yellow and gives rise to the color of many Indian curries. The colorant is an extract of turmeric prepared by exposing the turmeric spice to a suitable organic solvent. So again, even though this is a natural product, there can be some nasty chemicals involved in processing it into a useful ingredient. The 20th ingredient is Blue 1, or FDNC Blue 1. According to the previously mentioned book, it may cause itching, low blood pressure, and is a carcinogen in rats. Its presence in the cereal helps to color the jacks. The 21st ingredient is Red 40, or FDNC Red 40, it is the most common artificial food dye. Some studies have shown that red 40 can cause allergic reactions, hyperactivity in children, and immune system tumors in mice. Great stuff. It also, it's also in the cereal to help color the jacks. The 22nd ingredient is BHT. Here is an acronym that the average consumer would not likely be able to translate. BHT stands for butylated hydroxytoluene. That's quite a chemical mouthful. You can see why food, food companies don't want to list that name on the label. As the label states, it is in the cereal for freshness. It is a potent antioxidant, which means that it gobbles up oxygen molecules to prevent fats in the cereal from going rancid and causing off odors and flavors. It increases the shelf life of the cereal, but, but at what cost? Is it good for you? BHD has been linked to enlarged livers and reduced liver enzyme activity in rats and DNA damage in mouse guts. And get this, BHT is actually banned in England, Japan, and some other European countries. But it's just fine for us. The rest of the ingredients, which will not be discussed, are added vitamins and minerals, all of which were produced in chemical plants. The only thing I'll say here is that it's interesting that Kellogg's needs to add back vitamins and minerals that are missing from the food ingredients that were used. If whole grains and fruits have been used, there may not have been a need to add these vitamins and minerals as ingredients. 
Now let's talk about some of the nutritional aspects of Apple Jack's cereal. First of all, what is the serving size that the nutritional data is based on? The serving size is one cup, or 28 grams. Have you ever seen what one cup of cereal looks like? It's pretty small. Most likely, an older kid will eat way more than that for breakfast. So a portion size closer to reality, I think, for most kids, would be one and a half cups. Let's stick with the one and a half cup serving for comparative purposes. As I said earlier, the most startling observation of the Nutrition Facts label is that sugar is the first ingredient, raising the question whether Apple Jacks is a breakfast cereal or a breakfast dessert. I want to compare Apple Jacks to an obvious dessert, such as McDonald's apple pie. To compare the two, I'll divide the amount of sugar per serving by the total weight of the serving, then multiply the result by 100. For Apple Jacks, that is 15 grams of sugar divided by 42 grams of cereal, which is one and a half servings. That gives 35.7% sugar. For the McDonald's apple pie, the calculation is 13 grams of sugar divided by 76 grams of apple pie. That gives 17.1% sugar. Interesting. One and a half servings of the Kellogg's Apple Jack cereal has twice as much sugar in it as a percentage as the McDonald's dessert. What about nutrients like carbohydrates? In one and a half servings of the cereal, there are 37.5 grams of carbs. Dividing by 42 grams of cereal gives 89.2%. So most of the cereal is carbohydrates. What about protein? In one and a half servings of the cereal, there is 1.5 grams of protein. Divided Dividing by 42 grams of cereal gives 3.6%. The recommended daily amount of protein for a 7 to 10 year old kid is 28.3 grams. So the one and a half servings of dry cereal here gives 5.3% of the daily requirement. Well, that's pretty small. Of course, if the cereal is eaten with milk, the protein content uh, does go up. What about fiber? In one and a half servings of the cereal, there are four and a half grams of fiber. Dividing by 42 grams of cereal gives 10.7% fiber. According to kids.org, the recommended daily amount of fiber for a four to eight year old is 25 grams. So the one and a half servings of dry cereal gives about 18% of the daily requirement. Now that's pretty good. What about fat? The amount of fat is similar to the protein content or 3.6%. That's a small amount of fat content, so that's a good thing. Now it's time to look at the other cereal, which is Mom's Best Cereals Toasted Wheatfuls. The name is certainly a mouthful. Here are its ingredients. Hang on to your seat. Number one, whole grain wheat. Number two, preserved with vitamin E which is a mix of tocopherols. That's it. What? Only two ingredients? There are no added vitamins and minerals with the exception of vitamin E. 
The purpose of the vitamin E here is to act as a preservative to extend the shelf life of the product. Vitamin E is a natural antioxidant and serves the same purpose as BHT in the Kellogg cereal, but it's a natural product and not banned in any country. Well, that was a short list. Let's take a look at the nutritional properties of the toasted wheat full cereal. The recommended, recommended serving size is one cup, so as before, let's up this to, to one and a half cups or 82.5 grams. Notice that this new serving size by weight is roughly twice what the Applejack serving was, so the consumer is getting more food here. What is the sugar content? Well, let's look at the label. Zero grams? Huh? There is no added sugar in this cereal? Well, of course, that's not exactly true, since the government allows food companies to report less than 0.5% as 0%. What about carbs? A one and a half cup serving provides 66 carbs, which divided by 82.5 grams of cereal gives 80% carbs. Still high, but that's 10% lower than Apple Jacks. What is the protein content? A one and a half cup serving provides nine grams of protein, which divided by 82 and a half grams of cereal gives 10.9% protein. Well, that's about three times the protein in Apple Jacks. What is the fiber content? A one and a half cup serving provides 10.5 grams of fiber, which divided by 82 and a half grams of cereal gives 12 0.7% fiber. That's a little higher than the Applejack cereal. Okay, now what is, uh, what is the fat content? A one and a half cup serving provides one gram of fat, which divided by 82 and a half grams of cereal gives 1.21% fat, which is about one third of the fat found in the Applejacks. Now, if you were a parent concerned about the health of your child, which of these cereals would you feed them? Would it be the Kellogg's Apple Jacks with 22 ingredients, the main one being sugar, an extremely high carb content, contains genetically modified foods, has trans fats, contains artificial colors, which are potential health risks, has a preservative, which has been banned in some countries, or would it be the mom's best cereals, toasted wheat fulls, with just two ingredients, no added sugar, higher in protein and fiber, and no added chemicals of any kind. Sounds like a slam dunk to me. But what about the price? You might be asking, you know, is the mom cereal more expensive? Shouldn't that be an important consideration? Well, it can be, but shouldn't health benefits carry more weight? Well, just for the fun of it, let's compare the prices of these two cereals. The mom cereal weighs in at 16.4 ounces, or 459 grams, per box. The local price is $2.79. Dividing those numbers and multiplying by 100 gives 0.61 cents per gram. Okay, that's for the moms, 0.61 cents per gram. The Kellogg cereal weighs in at 345 grams per box. The local price is $3.39.
Dividing those numbers and multiplying by 100 gives 0.98 cents per gram. Again, for the Kellogg cereal, it's 0.98 cents per gram. So compare 0.98 to 0.61 cents. So the Apple Jacks, the, unhel- uh, the unhealthy cereal, is 50% more expensive than the healthy one. Who'd have thunk? One last thought. To find the mom cereal, you have to go to the natural food section of the store. Although it's healthier and cheaper, it's not considered mainstream enough to be placed on the regular cereal shelves. Why not? Well, that's not the kind of cereal that is marketed by big food companies to American kids, so it's not going to have a place on the main shelf. Well, that's it for breakfast today. I'll leave you with this message. Quote, For your health and well-being, eat plants, not from plants. End quote.